Hey, church. How is everybody? My name is Jamie. I'm so glad to be here uh, this morning. I, I just, I love that worship song that we sang, talking about God's faithfulness. So I don't want that moment to pass. Like, think about all the ways that God has been faithful to you, faithful to us. Just think about it. I was at a funeral yesterday, and even in the midst of sadness and in sorrow, uh, people got up and spoke, and, and it reminded me of the faithfulness of Jesus through it all. The, the hard parts of life and the joys of life, the hills and the valleys, like through it all. We can look back and go, man, Jesus was faithful here. Jesus was faithful here. Man, I really didn't deserve it, but Jesus showed up here and was faithful and provided and saw me through that. So I just don't, this morning, I just don't want that moment to pass. Like, take a mental notes in your brain. Maybe you pull out your phone and just start to make a note of, man, Jesus has been faithful through all of these things in all of these areas. I don't want that to pass. So we're going to be doing a little uh, change this morning. First, I want to let you know that if you are around here for the summer, so if you're here for the summer, even if you're a college student, uh, one of the things, uh, benefits of this last year is that we get to rebuild just about every team that we have. Every ministry team that we have, we are rebuilding. And if you maybe can sense some of my sarcasm in that, uh, but we get the opportunity to rebuild almost every team that we have. So we have a need, especially this summer, is for kids' ministry. So if you attend Renew, if Renew's your home church, if you're going to be around here this summer, I want to challenge you and encourage you. Jump on the app, go down to join the adventure, go down to join a team, and sign up to help with Camp Renew. Uh, we have a dedicated, amazing team of leaders down there that serve week in and week out, and we need to supply more help down there uh, for specifically this summertime. So we're going to talk about this next week. I'll remind you next week as well. But that is one of the most pressing needs that we have as we go into summer. If you know somebody who should be helping out with kids ministry and they aren't pulling out their phone, downloading the app at renew.church slash app and signing up, Sign up for them. That's okay. Uh, we'll have that discussion later, but if you want to nominate somebody, that's okay too. Uh, sometimes we need that, somebody to nominate us. So this morning, I know last week I said that we were going to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning. Uh, we're not. I mean, we are, but we're not. Uh, I decided last week after the sermon, I said we need to do one more week of the raised life. And then next week, we are going to start like a four, five, six part series specifically on the Holy Spirit. Uh, I decided that like it's too much to just spend one sermon on the Holy Spirit as part of the raised life. We need to have an additional sermon series on the Holy Spirit. And this is just as much for me as it is you. 
I don't know about you, but I have all sorts of questions about the Holy Spirit. And this is the pastor talking. I know I'm supposed to know everything. I don't. So part of this series is myself digging into the scriptures and trying to figure out like what is the Holy Spirit? What's the Holy Spirit's job? And how is the Holy Spirit in our life? I don't know about you, but I think we could use some Holy Spirit in our world right now. So one thing I want to invite you to, if you have any questions whatsoever about the Holy Spirit, email me, info at renew.church, info at renew.church. Send me an email and ask your question. I want this to be as relevant and practical as it can be. And I want any question, no questions out of bounds about the Holy Spirit. And I will do my best to answer whatever you ask. All right? So next week, starting Holy Spirit uh, sermon series called Have You Heard? As we finish up this Raised Life series, I wanted to talk about Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, if you remember, we did a Philippians series quite some time ago, but Paul is writing this letter, and he's not writing from a great place. Paul is writing this letter, and he's in prison. He's been put in jail. He's locked up in chains. He is in prison. He doesn't know the outcome of his stay in prison. He doesn't know when he's going to get a court trial. He doesn't know when he's going to uh, have his chance to argue his case. He doesn't know if he's going to be killed as a result of being in prison. He doesn't know. But yet, he writes this letter to the church that he so dearly loves. This church that he planted, the church that he watched grow up, he writes a letter back to this church and he's instructing them. He's reminding them about what it means to live the raised life in Jesus. See, we started this series after Easter talking about as Christians, if we are going to believe that we participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, then our lives should look different as a result of the resurrection. As as a result of Easter, you and I should live differently in this world. We should think differently. We should live differently. We should handle our money differently. We should handle our time differently. We should handle our uh, resources differently. We should interact with each other differently. We should interact with the community differently, solely based on Jesus. And so I thought there's no better way to kind of wrap this up than Philippians chapter 2. So Philippians chapter 2 starts, therefore, you can read chapter 1 to figure out why the therefore is there, about therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any encouragement from being raised with Christ, if you have any encouragement, some other translations saying, if you are in Christ, 
If you have any encouragement whatsoever from being in Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the Holy Spirit, if tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. By what? By being like-minded. Having the same love. Being one in spirit and of one mind. Paul goes, if you benefit at all from the resurrection of Jesus, he's talking to his church and he goes, make my joy in Christ complete by being like-minded, by recognizing and living like you live in the same Holy Spirit. Be chasing after the same things. Be operating under the same framework. The first question I would ask, have you seen the year that we've just been through, Paul? Like there's been a little bit of division. Like like you want us to all be like-minded? You go, yeah, I do. Because you are in the church. Your source isn't what's happening all out there. Your source is Jesus. That's your foundation. That's your source. And you might ask, well, how? How on earth in this day and age are we supposed to be like-minded and of one spirit? Last week we talked about a couple verses that, that lead us to this, Right? Last week, we talked about Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 14. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Bear with each other. So when I'm acting all crazy, right? What's your response to me? Bear with me. Like it's the nitty gritty part of relationship. It's the part where usually people are tempted to bail. Like you're struggling, you're down, you are going, you're chasing after all these other things. Well, I'm tempted to go, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. I'm not going to be in community anymore. I'm just going to let you go off. But no, Paul says you got to bear with each other. Even when it gets hard. Even when a friendship or relationship is strained, we ought to bear with one another. Forgive one another. When somebody hurts you, what's our response? Forgiveness. It doesn't mean you have to condone the actions. It doesn't mean you don't put up boundaries and barriers so that those unhealthy actions don't keep happening. But it does mean that you and I, as part of following Jesus, forgive one another. Because Jesus forgives you and I. So how can you have one mind? Think like-mindedly in Jesus. How can you be 
a part of one spirit. Well, the first thing is, how do we love each other? Because love covers all. How do we bear with each other? How do we forgive each other? How do we enter into difficult conversations? And then Acts chapter 2. We talked about these verses last week, but I thought we should bring them up again because this is how you become like-minded as a church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to reading scripture together, to praying together, to eating meals together. This was a priority in their life. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone that had a need. Every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread. They had glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily. This was the explosion of the early church. So Paul's saying, well, be like-minded. Like, make my joy complete by being like-minded. Don't let things divide you. Don't let things split you up. Be like-minded under one Holy Spirit. Talk about that next week. One Holy Spirit. How do we do that? We do that by loving each other. By staying in relationship with each other. By forgiving each other. By centering our lives around reading scripture together. Praying together. Eating meals together. This is why we push small groups so much. And grill out groups this summer. This is why we push these things. Because this is where those things take place, right? Like week in, week out, we have groups of people that come together and pray together, read scripture together, sometimes eat meals together. Then Paul continues. And in verse 3, he says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. I love Paul. because He's like, hey, be like-minded. Be one spirit. Like, I've told you how to do that in other places in my letters. But notice, what is the next sentence? He attacks the very thing that prevents us from being like-minded and under one spirit. Selfish ambition and vain conceit. That's interesting, isn't it? Like he doesn't start with some checklist of do's and don'ts. He just gives one don't. Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Do nothing. So then a question would be, how do I know if I'm doing something out of selfish ambition? How do I know if I'm doing something out of vain conceit? Well, 
your sense of worth goes up and down depending on what you're doing. Your sense of worth goes up and down depending on what you can accomplish or what your title is or what your pay grade is or what someone thinks of you. Failure is terrifying for you. Like you would step back and you would say, the, the one thing in life that I'm most terrified of is failing. Another indication would be all your relationships are basically you using those relationships to get something that you want or achieve some sort of goal. You take credit instead of giving it to Jesus. You strive for a platform. You're comparing yourself to others constantly. You say yes to every opportunity because it might get you a little bit ahead. Regardless of what it does to your own soul and what it does to the people around you. You feel entitled to the success that comes your way instead of feeling grateful. Your need to win is greater than your need to love others. You're always insecure. Those are some indications that if you and I are living according to our own selfish ambition, these are some of the symptoms that come up from that. See, selfish ambition is constantly trying to one-up somebody else. It's keeping up with the Joneses. It's looking around and going, I need to achieve, I need to accomplish to be successful. To be worth anything. To have any value. And then vain conceit, that's, that's all about pride. It's all about appearances. It's all about saving face. It's all about a self-image. So Paul, Paul's response, his very next line is to attack the ego, the very thing that gets in the way of community happening, the way that Jesus intends it to happen. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, nothing from vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourself. In humility, value others as more important than yourself. It's the opposite of the selfish ambition, right? Now, some of us, would take that humility and take it to a potential unhealthy place. Sometimes we think of humility as like, I'm going to think so low of myself that everybody else is just naturally higher than I am in my list. Or or humility is this like weird, I'm going to like deprecate myself. I'm going to talk negative about myself because that's how I show humility. That's not the true definition of humility. Humility is not denying the power that you have. It's admitting the power comes through you and not from you. 
Humility isn't denying the power that you have. Humility isn't denying what Jesus put you here on this earth for. Humility isn't denying the places that Jesus puts you to make an impact, to love those around you, to make a difference in your community. Humility is recognizing, yeah, all this stuff, all these gifts, all this passion, all these things that I'm able to do, it doesn't come from me. It comes from Jesus. He's the source. That's true humility. See, we need you to show up. We need you. To volunteer. We need you in this church. We need you in this community. We need you in this world. With whatever Jesus has gifted you to do, gifted you to be, we need you. We need you to be focused not on your own self, your own selfish ambition, but on others. Paul keeps going. He says, humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, this phrasing in the Greek text is interesting because that uh, word interest is kind of a filler word that's put in there. If you look at the actual language, it says, let each of you look not only to your own blank, Like fill in the blank there. Let each of you not only look to your own fill in the blank. Let each of you look after your own family, your own house, your own job, your own money that Jesus has provided you, your own friends, your own community, your own church. Not only look to those things. But look to the blank of others. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing out of vain conceit. But rather in humility. Look not only to your own stuff. But look to others. And see. How you can love them. How you can help them. How you can serve them. Them. This point is so interesting because this is the point. Like, like you have to do your own internal work about your selfish ambition and vain conceit. Like, am I living that way? Is everything about me? Is everything about my position? Is everything about how I look, how people perceive me? Is that all about me? Like, we've got to do our own work in that. But the next step is in humility, with the power of Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, we need to look to the interests of others. This is love your neighbor, right? Like Paul's just spinning in a different way. Love your neighbor. And here's the place where living has to get intentional.
this is where we've got to get out of our own circles. This is where we have to get out of our own echo chambers that we're living in in social media. This is where we have to get out to the place where people don't act like you, where people don't look like you, where people don't have the same kind of money that you do. They don't have the same socioeconomic standing. It's interesting because even Jesus in one of his stories said, hey, when you go throw a party, don't invite your friends. Don't invite your family members because that's easy. That's easy. Because they're going to love you for it. They're going to repay you. When they have a party, they'll invite you to it. He goes, no, go out and invite the people in the streets. This is a similar concept. Look to the interests of others. I don't think Paul is saying look to just the interests of the people that you like. I think it's a broader scope. More of a love your neighbor thing. Your neighbor isn't just the person that's directly next to you living in that house. And I just got to ask the question, what if we actually started living like this? What would our conversations be like? All right? Like, here's a question. What would our political conversations be like if we started with, hey, what are some of your interests? Like, what are some of the things you are most passionate about? Like, I'm over here, you're over here. What are those things that you are most passionate about? How can I help in that? How can I serve in that? Could you imagine? You're like, I'm far on the left side. I know you're far on the right side. We're going to have coffee, and I'm going to be interested in all of your interests. And I'm going to try to figure out, like, how can I serve you in those? How can I serve us in that? I think some people's minds would be blown. Because I don't see a lot of that happening right now, right? How would our political conversations look differently if we embodied this? Look not only to your own, but to the interests of others. What would our discussions look like around racial reconciliation in systems? If we had this discussion, look not only to your own interests, but to the interest of others. I think I I gave this example a while ago, but a couple years ago, I was talking with uh, one of my friends. He's a pastor in the cities, and he is Hispanic. And it's just one little part in the conversation. One little comment that he said caused me to ask the next question. In which he shared the times when he has experienced racism in Minneapolis, in the city that he was pastoring in. 
It led him to share a bunch of stories of his community, of his church community, and how they were impacted and what they experienced in this world. How would our conversation around racial reconciliation happen if instead of saying, no, that's not my experience, so that must not be yours, what would it look like if we said, what's your experience? What are your interests? And how can I best help to serve and love you in those interests? What's your experience? What would our discussions around poverty look like? What would our discussions around serving our community look like? See, if we really took this seriously as a church, it would change everything, wouldn't it? Like, like genuine, sincere conversations with neighbors, with friends, with people in our community of saying, how can I look after your interests? How can I serve you? How can I love you in that? It's just another way of saying we need to be loving our neighbor. What would it look like? And the big question is, how do we do that? Like, Paul's laying this out here. How do we do that? And his answer is, well, in your relationships with one another, develop, cultivate the attitude of Jesus. Because Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance of man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death even on the cross. Jesus is the ultimate example of do nothing out of selfish ambition, do nothing out of vain conceit, but in humility, look to the interests of others. You and I are here today because Jesus embodied that. It's what he did in his death, burial, and resurrection. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow to heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge, confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Paul goes cultivate the same attitude, the same mindset as Jesus. Love our neighbor. 
And you might be thinking, that's a big thing. Like, I'm not even sure how to do that. What are some next steps? First and foremost, look inside. Ask yourself the question, am I being driven by selfish ambition right now in my life? Like, am I? That checklist of things that I went through. Am I experiencing those things? Because if I am, it might be an indication that selfish ambition is more a part of my life than I think it is. In your life, are you looking around in mainly your mind, your brain power, your time, your talents, your treasure is primarily taken up by your own interests? it is time to start asking some questions and maybe start putting in some practices that lead you to a different place. So first step, look inside. Am I being driven by selfish ambition? Next step is to look outside. And this is what I challenge you to do this week. Just be intentional by who's around you. Like, start there. It's not even like, go evangelize to somebody or go find a stranger on the street and have this really awkward conversation with them. No, start by those that are already around you. Start with your family. Start with your roommates. Start with the people you work with. Start with that person that you walk by on the street with every day. Walk to your neighbor's house. Start with who's already around you because Jesus has put you in a place where he wants to use you. And this is all I want you to do. Have conversation. Ask some questions. Be intentional. Be curious. All of us can ask some questions, and the great thing about asking questions is that you don't have to talk, right? Like, you just get to listen. So maybe come up with a list of five questions. What's your story? What's been your experience? What most concerns you? What do you think about Jesus? Like, just start asking questions and be curious in the lives of other people. And before you know it, you will start rearranging your life and your thoughts to be looking after the interests of others. Let's have the worship team come up. As we end this series, like this is the raised life, church. This is the place, like if we start intentionally living like this, look not only to your own, but also to the interest of others. Like this is where the church thrives. We've seen it all through scripture. Acts 2, is this played out? Look inside, and then look outside. Start with the people around you. 
start this week. Be curious, be intentional. And you will see Jesus start to do things that absolutely amaze you. Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, I I pray that you help us start to cultivate this attitude, this mindset that, that you were the example of. That we would get our eyes just off off ourselves and get our eyes on others. Jesus, I I firmly believe that there are things that you are waiting to do in someone else's life based on the fact if we show up or not. if we have our eyes on others or not. So Jesus, I pray you move. In your name, amen.